0: Say you were going to share with somebody a description of this device and you didn't have it with you to begin with. You might begin by describing that it's black in color, right? That it's like a pill-looking kind of thing with some vinyl on it and kind of a cloth front and little rollers. And they might begin to get an idea of what you're talking about. You're not using the name of it, okay? You're just trying to describe it. You might say there's a little... Transformer, It's 12 volts and all that kind of thing. And, and so they get a picture of it. But then you invite them over and say, why, why don't you have this experience of using it? And you turn it on, and it begins to roll. It's, it's a back massager. And it, it, this is like the best device ever created. And so whenever I'm watching the Vikings and I'm a little stressed out, <laughs> I put this back here and... Now I'm like you all in your pews. I'm so relaxed. First hour I had to harass uh, Al Halverson. He's got the end pew over there and he's like, "I Al, you look pretty relaxed. Now I feel just like you do. You know, in fact, I thought I'd just preach like this. It'll go better for me and probably for you all. So. But, you know, there's something about the experience, right? That, that just experiences is, is just... Uh, uh, worth a lot of description. Well, there's a reason for this little demonstration other than it makes me really feel good right now. Um, it's this. We're, we're going to look at the, the Old Testament uh, minor prophet book of Joel this morning. And in, in this minor prophet book of Joel, he does some things for us in describing the day of the Lord that's very much what I just did for you. He, first of all, paints a picture of what it's like. He describes it. He gives us his image. But then, secondly, and maybe more effectively, he invites us into experiencing uh, what it's like. And so I'm excited to share with you this morning. Um, Last week, Pastor Aaron kicked off this series of messages. He spoke to you from the book of Hosea, and that book has 14 chapters. Uh, The book of Joel has only three chapters, and I really think I'm smart to have divided it up that way because I don't know if you've ever done any kind of uh, speech or given any kind of presentation. When you have too much material, it's very difficult, so I just handed it off to Aaron. He's smarter than I am anyway, and I'm already exhibiting Wisdom, you know, then that's what we're supposed to be learning from these books. Um, but at any rate, this morning we're going to get into this little three chapter book uh, of Joel, and we're going to, I pray, gain some wisdom that will affect and benefit our lives. Um, Joel was a contemporary prophet to Hosea and Amos. Hosea and Amos were anointed of God to speak to the northern kingdom. That was uh, part of Israel originally, and they were still called Israel. Joel, on the other hand, was anointed of God to speak to the southern kingdom uh, of Judah. His name means Jehovah is my God. So every time you say the name Joel, you're saying Jehovah is my God. Joel, Jehovah is my God. Cool name, huh? Jehovah is my God. And his book, like I said, is only three chapters long. And so we get in this short little book a picture and experience of what the day of the Lord is like. So let me begin by just saying for you and defining for you what the day of the Lord means, what that phrase means. The day of the Lord means this. When the Lord intervenes in the affairs of men, usually it's a judgment kind of thing. It's one of the primary expressions in the Old Testament that refers to end time events. Now this little short prophetic book is meant to evoke emotion and response on the part of the reader. We're to be drawn into the story so that it changes the way that we live out our, our faith. Joel begins in chapter 1 by painting a picture of the day of the Lord, and that's where we're going to begin this morning. So let me read to you from Joel chapter 1. This is going to sound a little depressing, okay? But just hang in there with me this morning. Uh, I, I, there's some, some really good things that we're going to get into Hear this, you elders. Listen, all you who live in the land. Has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your ancestors? Tell it to your children and let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generation. What the locust swarm has left, the great locusts have eaten. What the great locusts have left, the young locusts have eaten. What the young locusts have left, other locusts have eaten. Wake up, you drunkards. And weep, wail all you drinkers of wine, wail because of the new wine, for it has been snatched from your lips. A nation has evaded my land, a mighty army without number. It has the teeth of a lion, the fangs of a lioness. It has laid waste my vines and ruined my fig trees. It has stripped off their bark and thrown it away, leaving their branches white. Mourn like a virgin in sackcloth, grieving for the betroth of her youth. Grain offerings and drink offerings are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests are in mourning, those who minister before the Lord. The fields are ruined. The grounds are dried up. The grain is destroyed. The new wine is dried up. The olive oil fails. Despair, you farmers. Wail, well, you vine growers. Grieve for the wheat and the barley because the harvest of the field is destroyed. The vine is dried up. The fig tree is withered. The pomegranate, the palm, and the apple tree, all the trees of the field are dried up. Surely the people's joy is withered away. <laughs> How are you feeling right now? This is really a bleak picture. See, the picture being painted by Joel here by the locust invasion is one of total devastation. It's total devastation. It's meant to be shocking. So shocking that drunkards wake up from their stupor. So shocking it's like a, a young virgin betrothed to be married and a fiancé dies and she never experiences that marriage. So shocking that there's not enough grain or drink to even offer all, uh, the Lord an offering. And chapter 2 will go on to tell us that the devastation is so complete it was like little Judah was the Garden of Eden and then the locust came and now she's a desert wasteland. The picture's been painted, Right? We, we're seeing the massager, so to speak. We, we see here what rejection of God looks like, and it looks like devastation. But now, Joel's gonna, gonna kind of invite us into, into ex- the experience. He wants us to go a little more in depth into what this day of the Lord is like. And, and, and so, um, he, he gets to this, this description in chapter two of what I would call the experience of the day of the Lord, all right? And so I'm gonna to read to you Joel chapter two, verses one through 11, and, and try to immerse yourself in the experience that he's sharing here of this. He says, blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm of my holy hill. Let all who live in the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming, it's close at hand, a day of darkness and gloom, a, a day of clouds and blackness like dawn spreading across the mountain. A large, mighty army comes such as never was in ancient times nor ever will be in ages to come. Before them fire devours, behind them a flame blazes. Before them the land is like the Garden of Eden. Behind them a desert waste. Nothing escapes them. They have the appearance of horses, they gallop along like cavalry, with a noise like that of chariots, they leap over the mountaintops like a crackling fire-consuming stubble, like a mighty army drawn up for battle. At the sight of them, nations are in anguish. Every face turns pale. They charge like warriors, they scale walls like soldiers, they march in line, not swerving the course, they do not jostle each other, each marches straight ahead. Without breaking ranks, they rush upon the city. They run along the wall. They climb into the uh, houses, excuse me, like thieves. They enter through the windows. Before them, the earth shakes. The heavens tremble. The sun and the moon are darkened. And the stars no longer shine. The Lord thunders at the head of his army. His forces are beyond number and mighty is the army that obeys his command. The day of the Lord is great. It is dreadful. Who can endure it? You know what Joel 2 is? It's an immersion experience. Joel 1 was painting a picture of the day of the Lord. Joel 2 is an immersion experience. Nothing escapes this dreadful day. And the locusts are so thick, they darken the sky, they blot out the sun, and there's everywhere. You feel them, you hear them, you experience them. Have you ever been on an immersion experience that just kind of captures you? Recently, we went down to Orlando for two weeks here. I was suffering for Jesus in the warmth, thinking of you guys frequently and laughing. Um, and so we had this conference for four days uh, at the end of this last week. And so Vicky and I uh, uh, decided, well, we'll tack on some vacation time before that and go early. And we met my daughter Bree and her husband Mike and the four grandkids and went to Disney World again. I've been there several times, and, and, and uh, so I thought, well, we'll go there again, and then we spent some time at Marco Beach really suffering there, you know, so that was really tough, tough going. So I know you all feel sorry for me. But at any rate, um, so we get down there, and we meet up with the family, and we're going to go to Disney World, and all Owen, my, my one of my grandkids who talk about was this Flight of Passage ride. Every time we went to something, he said, yeah, but Grandpa, the Flight of Passage, yeah, now that's the ride. It got kind of annoying after a while. And I said, ah, it can't be that good. He said, yeah, that's good. It's really good. One night we're sitting there. He's in the stool, uh, in his wet bathing suit on the chair, which he's not supposed to be. And I'm trying to tell him not to do that. And he's telling me about the Flight of Passage, you know. And anyway, he says, it's so good. It's so fun. Finally, and I think it was like the fourth day or something, we go to Animal Kingdom with the Flight of Passage. And right away, I knew the day was going to be challenging because we got there early to try to beat the crowd, right? (laughs) That was the idea of about 2,000 other people, too, so we're in this line, and I'm wearing a fanny pack. I mean, I'm styling with my fanny pack on. And so what's in my fanny pack is three protein bars. All I do is carry food in this thing, you know? And, 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 I, and I, so we get in these lines, and you have to go through a security check. It's like going through an airport anymore, right, to get into Disney World. And so my family gets in one line. Vicki and the kids are in one line. I think, I'm going to beat them through. I'll go in this other line. <sighs> Stupid mistake. I'm thinking every mom and dad with massive backpacks are in front of me. And they got to do everything. <sighs> Diapers and wipes and they're checking for drugs. I don't know what they're doing. Anyway, I get up there and I'm about this point. They've gone through the line. I'm starting to do this. Come on, you know. And they're like gone getting this line for flight of passage that I knew it was growing by the minute in length, right? So I'm going, oh, come on. And I get up there and I show the lady my backpack. She says, you're kind of wanting to go. I said, my family's long got. She looks in the backpack She says, just go, hon. You have nothing. She called me "Hun." I don't know if that's a southern thing or whatever. I was not thinking of her as my honey at that moment. So I'm just to, and I'm thinking, now they have a secondary security check, right? And Mike had warned me because I got caught by them once already. And they go through again. He said, don't look at them. Just ignore them and they'll let you go by. But if you look at them and engage them, they will pull you into the line. So I'm going, don't look at them, don't look at them. And I, so I started trying to go around and the guy like ran at me. Sir, you need to go over here. I go, you gotta be kidding. I said that and I don't always say that. I said, really, really me? Ah. So I did, I was pretty demonstrative. And so I go over there and I load everything out of my pockets, you know, and they're wanding me up to pat my legs. I'm going, really? I said, all I want to do is go to Flight of Passage. Come on. So now I'm kind of like losing hope. And so then Vicky meets up with me, and we run all the way to Flight of Passage, 70-minute wait. This is at 8 o'clock in the morning. And I'm thinking, this had better be good. I'm thinking, I hate waiting in lines. And uh, we, once you get to this one part, you can't go to the bathroom again either. So that's like 45 minutes out. No more going to the bathroom. I don't know how you are, but I drink a lot in the morning. I drank like a half a gallon of water. I'm going, oh, no, critical mistake. You know what I mean? And so I'm thinking, I've got to go to the bathroom. I've got that nervous energy going on. This had better be good. So then we get into the flight of passage, and I've got to just talk to you about this because it's a 3D immersion ride, all right? So you get in this thing, and you finally get in there, and you sit down. It's like a motorcycle. You sit down, and you go down, and you put your arms down, and you grab the bars, and it clamps you in place. And you put on these 3D glasses, only they're not like, you know, the old 3D glasses where you had a red and a green little thing, you know. These are like really 3D glasses. You put them on, and I'm thinking, this better be good, this is better be good, this is better be good. And you're all clamped in. I'm thinking, why, why are you all clamped in like this? You know what I mean? So then the ride starts. Now, normally in these rides, if I uh, am bored or whatever, I'll look at other people and all that kind of thing, or take the glasses off and see how this is really working, Right? Right away, you're, you, you become an avatar. Do you guys watch the movie Avatar? That's what the Flight of Passage is about. You become an avatar, and you're one of those big things that fly. Right? So you get I like, oh, this is going to be good, I think. So right away, it's like the bottom of the room falls out. And, and it's like you're on the top of a mountain, and you're going straight down. And I'm going, woo! You know, I'm right in the. It's so realistic. And you're, and the wind's blowing on you. The thing is shaking you around. And the pads are pushing and you. And you know, it's really, you're engaged and you're immersed in this ride. And right away, you're going right for a log. You go, ah! You go into a log and you go up. And all of a sudden, you're way, if you have a fear of heights, do not go on this ride. Because it feels real. And you're going way up. And I'm going... Close my eyes for a second. But I can't keep them close. I gotta see what's going on. And then there's this big whale thing jumps out. You go, ah! you kind of, you know, you just really stupid. It's the best ride ever, <laughs> okay? I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there with Owen. Okay, I see why you say what you said, buddy. And it's four and a half minutes long, which is a really long ride for Disney. So now that I've given Disney their commercial and I'm expecting some kind of check to be sent to me, I'm looking at the camera while I say this. Um, That's immersion, right? You get into it. Your senses are engaged. And and that's what Joel is trying to do here in chapter 2 of his prophetic book to us. He wants us to engage into the day of the Lord. He wants us to experience it. And what we're supposed to be experiencing here is the dread of It's the dread of it. So if you're a note-taking person, the experience of the day of the Lord is this dread, Oh, this overwhelming dread of what will happen to those who reject God. And, 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 and so he, he painted the picture that the picture of rejection of God when the day of the Lord happens then is this devastation and the experience of that day of the Lord for those who reject God is one of utter dread. Just dread that's Probably hard to really uh, describe. But then, what's really interesting at the end of chapter one, after the pictures painted of uh, the day of the Lord, and, and then after the experience of the day of the Lord is shared in Joel chapter two, uh, in both cases there is a message of hope built right into this account. It's an amazing message of hope, and this is where the wisdom is revealed to us that we can grab from this Old Testament book. This Old Testament line of prophet that has some major wisdom. See, hope can be found. If you respond correctly to the picture, the devastation, the experience, the dread of the day of the Lord. And chapter one ends with a call to repentance and in chapter two really expands on how we should respond. Let me read that to you. It's it's Joel chapter two, verses 12 through 17. Even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning, rend your heart not your garments, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sin and calamity. Who knows, he may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing. Grain offering and drink offerings for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet of Zion, declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly, gather the people, consecrate the assembly, bring together the elders, gather the children, those nursing at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Let the priests who minister before the Lord weep before the portico and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, Lord. Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? So here's what I think is amazing. Joel is sharing the devastation and the dread of the day of the Lord, of those who reject Christ, but, or, or reject him. But in the middle of all this is a needed response, a, a message of hope, and it's this, return, it, meaning give your whole heart to God. Give your whole heart to God. He says, God doesn't want to bring the day of the Lord on people. He wants them to return, to give their whole heart to him. He wants such ones to rend their heart. It means having a broken heart before God, not, not just some external show of religiosity, but a heart that truly yearns for God. And then the last word is revere. And, and what Joel's sharing with us is this idea that God's people should be so concerned that their disobedience would bring shame on the name of God that it becomes an impetus then for for. for Going to God. So so return, rend, and revere. That's the response that God wanted uh, from the nation of Israel at that time, of Judah, I should say. That's the response God wants from you and I personally when we begin to reject God in areas of our lives, that there's a return, a rending, and a revering. And in the future, at the end of the age, uh, which Joel gets to at the end of his book, uh, when we have this global Day of the Lord, right? When the return of Jesus Christ, that's the response God wants from people too is a return, a rend, and a revering. So now what's happened is we have a historical understanding of the day of the Lord from the book of Joel. Now in the book of Joel, he takes us to the end of the age and he begins to talk on the end of the age and how then the day of the Lord will take place then. I want to talk to you about something first, because it, this will put it all into context for you, because sometimes we talk about these, these uh, principles and, 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 and such in the, in the Bible, and we kind of get lost in the, in, the, in, the, in the trees and not seeing the forest. I want to talk to you about the overall story of the Bible. This happened at our, our, our last conference session at, uh, at the gathering there that we went to this last week, and, and Pastor Kevin Myers was sharing. And this was so good. And he said, you got to understand the big story of the Bible. And so I'm going to explain that to you super quickly because this fits right into a piece of that story. And so uh, Myers did something I want you to do. We're going to do this in the future. Aaron and I were talking about this before service. But we're going to get into more of this in the future. This is your introduction to some of this concept this morning. But put your hands together like this. Okay. And you look at the Bible. It basically The Old Testament, the the, the word of God pre-Jesus, and the New Testament, the word of God after Jesus, mirror each other. And and I thought, that's right, that's really good. That's a good way of saying it. And then he walked through how how this works. He said, here's how it works. Now go to the Old Testament, the words prior to Jesus Christ coming. He said, you pinky, he said, it began with paradise. Righteous, Adam and Eve, fellowshipping with God. But then, to the ring finger, entered in Satan and sin." Messed everything up, right? So then came after that uh, just a sin out of control. And the whole world um, turned from God. And there was a watery judgment, right? That's your middle finger. Okay, you're getting this. Then the, the Tower of Babel and they're the trying to become a one-world government. And God said, i got to confuse these people and give them different languages. And so that, 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 that stopped that one-world government problem. And then from the, basically the end of Genesis all the way through Malachi is Old Testament covenant making between God and people and, and all that. Okay, so you got that. You got, that's, that's basically, in a nutshell, uh, the words of, uh, of the story before the coming of Jesus. Then Jesus comes, amen, changes everything. So then it begins, now you go to what we commonly call the New Testament, uh, but what we could call it words after Jesus comes. They mirror what I just talked to you about. Now you have new covenant. Old covenant, new covenant. New, better covenant, and Jesus has made us once for all sacrifice for our sins. No more sacrifices needed, amen? And now you and I, when we enter into this covenant, we are filled with the person of the Holy Spirit, and we can actually be covenant keepers, amen? And, and so that, this is really cool. And so what, what we're heading towards, though, once again, is what? One world government. That's where Satan's going to try to take us. It mimics what was in the old, Right? prior to Jesus. And then what's going to happen? God's going to send judgment once again, only this time it's a judgment of fire, a refining judgment, a purification judgment. Then, after that, now we're to the ring finger on your right hand. You're to the exit of Satan and sin. He's gone. He's cast in the lake of fire. And then we're back to what? Paradise. Only as redeemed, blood-bought, followers of Jesus Christ. That's the story of the Bible. Amen. Can you share that with somebody? That makes it easy, right? You just they mirror each other. They old and the new mirror each other. But you just, you just I I really like that. I thought good analogy. So here's why I'm sharing that this morning. I thought this is really good. It goes right with the message I'm going to talk on. Thank you, Kevin. Right? It, it, because now we we're talking on the on on Joel on the devastation and the dread of the day of the Lord judgment. I would Put my middle finger up, but that's kind of a scene. But the day, you got what I'm saying? So take this right, all right? Um, But that's, that's referring to the judgment, Joel is now. It's referring to the exit of Satan and sin, and it's referring to paradise once again. That's where Joel's taking us at the end of his little prophetic book. Isn't that cool? But if you don't know the overall picture, you'll read it and you kind of get lost in the detail. And so Joel takes us right there and he says, the day of the Lord is is about these things happening, all right? And and he gives us some signs that we're entering into this phase of the story. And so some of the signs are are, are revealed to us in um, uh, Joel chapter 2 and Joel chapter 3. Let me read that for you. He said, and afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved for on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance. As the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls, in those days, and at that time I, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem. All right, so here we go. So he's talking now. He's moved us from the history uh, of little Judah, and he's now going to the end of the age. And he says, one of the signs that we're getting close to the judgment, Satan being, you know, expelled exiting in paradise again is the Spirit will be poured out on people. The Holy Spirit will be poured out on people. And this interesting because that began to happen in the book of Acts. God's Holy Spirit came upon the disciples in the upper room and they were given words uh, in, in languages they previously didn't know to share the wonders of God with the people that had gathered at that moment before the Feast of Pentecost. Peter gets up and gives a powerful message, Right? And we're told like 3,000 are saved. And what he says in that message is, this is what Joel talked about. The spirit of God would pour it on people, you know, at this time. And guess what? You and I are still supposed to be experiencing this. So I go to another conference at this seminar, at this this, uh, gathering, right? These are all going together. And I'm listening to this guy from Kingswood, this professor, and he's talking about effective evangelism. And he said, partly what we have to understand when it comes to evangelism is that relationship and being a good friend and and a listening friend and all that really isn't cutting it. It's good to do, nothing wrong with doing that, but really that doesn't work that well. In fact, Mormonism uses that, Jehovah's Witnesses uses that, Baha'is use that. You know, it's not that great. He said, What we have to do is return to the roots of the New Testament. What was going on there? Why was evangelism so effective there? Why did the church grow so quickly? He said, signs and wonders and the moving of the Holy Spirit, it was palpable. He said, You need to begin to pray that your gatherings and you, that the that, that, that Spirit of the Holy Spirit, just, it's just, He's there and He's working and He's unleashed. You need to begin to ask and seek and expect God to move in divine ways. And you, be, you need to pray for people. That, remember on, 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 on the 30th of December, if you were here and I t- shared a vision statement, I challenged you to pray for four people. Yeah, I'm going to further that understanding today. Pray that God does things in their life they cannot explain away. Those who do not know God, pray that God miraculously interrupts them, that he does things that just are just unexplainable other than God did it. Amen? Why wouldn't God answer that prayer? We have to begin to believe. Because you know what? If we don't step into the power and the person of the Holy Spirit, then we're just no different than anybody else. But we have the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? That's what Joel talked about. That's what's going on here before the, the, the day of the Lord, before Jesus Christ comes back again. And we need to step into that power. So signs and wonders will take place. That's the next point, you know, taking guy. And we need to expect them to take place. We need to pray that way. Salvation will be made available to those who call in the name of the Lord. I mean, man, that's been going on for 2,000 years. The books of Mark, or Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are all about salvation has come to all who believe. And that's the times that we live in. We're told here by Joel that Israel will be restored. And we've seen that in our day. That ought to make us excited. Israel's a nation now, Israel's a player once again in end time events. And then. Lastly, we're told, if you we were to continue on to Joel chapter 3, that there will be a great battle between God and his enemies. Between God and his enemies. In fact, um, if you read over in Revelation, and, and, and also we see that Satan and the kings will align themselves uh, for one final battle uh, uh, against God. Joel tells us that the hordes will advance in, into the valley of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat means the Lord judges. And God says they are now in the valley of decision, and Revelation 19 tells us that these adversaries are easily defeated by Christ. Exit. Satan and sin. Hallelujah. Do you get in the picture? See, the, the, this minor prophet of Joel, it's an amazing book when you begin to see how it fits into the whole story of the Bible. Amen. And I think oftentimes we don't see that kind of connection. And I want you to see that today. That these Old Testament books like, like that we're going to go through for the next few weeks, they're not just, they're not just they're not just old books that we're going to pull a nugget of wisdom out of. They're part of the unfolding of the God's story to us. That's why we uh, have made this journal available to you, Because He Loves, that you can read through the, 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 the book, you know, about the book each week that we're talking on, that you can do some personal reflection. It's mostly blank pages. Don't let it scare you away you can just say, God, I'm seeing this in you, I'm seeing that. And so I want to encourage you, if have not picked one of these up, pick it up and, and engage on your own and begin to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you truths in your life that you need to understand. Amen? I mean, this is, this is what we want you to become a little more grown up in your faith and doing some things on your own and figuring some things out. You can do it. You can do it. Feel like the water boy? You can do it if you know that old movie. Sorry. Anyway, uh, that's a terrible analogy, wasn't it? I don't know why my, my mind goes to these things, places that I not ever go to. So, as as, um, as as Joel closes out, he he says, "God's people, though, God's people will experience great blessing." So you have this day of the Lord, and for those who reject God, it'll be a day of devastation and a day of dread. But for God's people. Satan exits, sin exits, and paradise is restored. It's talking about the, the, the big story again. And, and, and the redeemed of God will experience the blessing of God. So it's short here. Let me summarize for you today. When you, when, when you look at the, the, the prophetic book of Joel, it has has three applications. One, you can look at it historically, and you can see because little Judah rejected God, she suffered this literal invasion of locusts. It was one of devastation, and it was one of dread. Okay, so that then paints a picture for the future day of the Lord when Jesus Christ is going to come in His return, and for those who have rejected Jesus Christ, that day will be full of devastation and dread. But for those who have put their hope in Jesus Christ, for those who remember and and, um, repent and return and do all those things, uh, God will bless them. And so, you know, for those of us who love Jesus, there's, there's hope built into all this, but get this on a personal level. There's a personal application to all this too. When we reject the Lordship of Jesus Christ in an area of our life, Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's our marriage. Maybe it's our career. Maybe it's our studies. Maybe you know we think we need to take a break from God instead of take time into God. I love how Pastor Aaron prays. I hope you listen to how. Well, no, let the Spirit move on you as he prays. <laughs> I'm laughing. <laughs> Try not to laugh. But anyway, but but anyway, um, but 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 there's a personal application to all this. If you reject God's lordship in your life, Jesus' lordship in your life, you will experience devastation and dread in that area of your life. And then if you want to experience the blessing of God, you have to return. Amen. You have to rend your heart before God. And you ha- you have to have this revering of God. You have to be concerned about God's reputation more than you considered about Maybe your own comfort or your own will being done. You have to just be overly concerned with who God is and having his will done in your life. To me, that's a huge personal application. And I want to encourage you to take a moment um, and maybe use that journal this way to reflect on a couple questions I'm going to pose to you right now. Why is the picture and the experience in Joel of the day of the Lord helpful when it comes to the return of Jesus Christ? Why is Joel helpful for us to understand the, the end time judgment, the exit of Satan and sin, and paradise restored. How is Joel helpful in that regard to you as a follower of Jesus Christ? That's a bigger personal application, but let's, get, let's drill down more into your life. How is the picture of devastation, the experience of dread of the day of the Lord, how has that changed the way you will live your life? That's part of the, the meaning of this prophetic utterance is to have a personal effect on the reader to change the way you do life. So is it changing the way you do life? Amen? And how should it change the way you do life? Grab it with that. Write, take, take something like this and write down, hey God, I don't really understand this maybe like I should, but I'm beginning to see that rejection of you has some pretty serious consequences. Amen. And maybe I haven't put two and two together before and really, really grapple with that. That maybe I'm way too casual with my sinfulness and my tendencies to ignore you. And write some of that down. Be honest. That's what this is about. Do some honest, self aware reflection. And let God do a work of transformation deep in with your heart. And then we're, we're, I think, getting to where we dream we could get maybe with the series of messages, amen? So let's pray. And then the song that Kyle's gonna sing, oh my goodness, I wanted to come up and give you a hug. And I'm not a hugger. This is a good stuff. This is a good song. It's new to you, I think. Last week, oh, I was gone last week. It's new to me. Good song. You should be experts by now. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you. And you know what? I, I was struck by a, 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 a thought that he, Pastor Aaron, even shared this morning. That you know what? It's because God loves us, and because of His righteousness and His purity, that He uh, that He does things like the Day of the Lord, that He does things like judgment. It's because of love, not because of uh, you know a judgmental spirit, so to speak. And I I, I could I just Couldn't agree with that more. Because of your great love, God, you're making paradise available again. It's we go through this whole story of the Bible. It's from paradise to paradise. And in the middle of that is some judgment and some rending and some some tough things. And that's okay. Because your goal is to get us back to redeem people, enjoying a new heaven and a new earth forever, being in your presence and being in paradise. God, help us to understand the story the big story, and help us to see the places that Joel fits into this and other um, of these minor prophet books will fit into. Lord, help us to put the puzzle together. But more than anything, God, I pray we take to heart your word to us personally this morning. If we rejected you in any way in our lives, I pray that this would be a moment of returning to you, of reigning our hearts, and revering your name above all things, Lord. I, I just pray that for some of us, maybe you're right now revealing to us something that needs to be addressed. And I pray we would be obedient to that and listening to your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, have your work and weigh in us this day. In your name I pray, Jesus, amen. So on the way home, I'm sitting in this airplane going from Orlando to Sioux Falls last night, just stressed out, delayed like crazy. We're flying in the snow. I'm texting Aaron, you may be preaching tomorrow. And I'm sitting next to a lady who's from Duluth, very friendly lady from Duluth. And uh, I'm looking at Ben because that's where he's moving to. Anyway, so she, she's sitting there and, and, and talking to me and she finds out I'm a minister and, and she's an engineer and she's, oh, that's quite a change and we're having a great conversation. And she said, my, my word for the year, I don't know why she shared this with me, but she said, my word for the year is imagine. And she's encouraging me, imagine that this will turn out well. <laughs> I said, I'm having a hard time imagining that right now. But I thought the thinking, That's not a bad word. Imagine with me for a moment, if we really take the words of the prophetic utterance of Joel to heart, and we really take sin seriously, and we really understand that when we reject God, we we suffer devastation and dread. Just imagine if we really took that to heart, how that would change how we do life. Imagine if we really, really, really love Jesus, that he's really consuming our our attitudes and our minds and our, our, you know, living. Just imagine how different we would be. I thought, that's not a bad word. I got a good word from a lady in an airplane on the way home from Disney. I felt like it was a continuation of my Disney experience. Long lines, jostling rides, and just, you know, promises that this will soon end and it never seemed to end. Anyway, God's good, isn't he? Imagine with me what could be. That's what I want you to do today. If we sing the song Imagine what could be. Just imagine what could be.